Welcome to Season 2 of History, Politics, and Beer, the podcast that examines contemporary issues through the lens of history. Now, from the home office in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, we invite you to sit back with an ice-cold one and enjoy the pontifications of your hosts, Matt Shockey and Jeff Hudson. All right, welcome back, boys and girls, to another edition of History, Politics, and Beer. My name is Matt Shockey, and across from me, as always, is Jeff Hudson. And Jeff, you always put the beer in History, Politics, and Beer. And today, we drank almost, I think, a whole beer here, just getting ready for the pod. We did, because we were thirsty, and it's cold, and we have a nice Guinness uh, uh, draft beer here. And uh, I think we've done Guinness before on the pod. Yeah. But you know what? It's an oldie but a goodie. It's like a, it's like a Jerry Seinfeld rerun. Yeah, it's, it's always good. It's, it's always good. Most people know what Guinness is. Most people don't know that Arthur Guinness, the founder of the brewery, had twenty one children, though. Hey, so you know, hey now, Guinness might <laughs> might be good. Uh, besides, for something besides just drinking. All, All right. right. Increase your fertility. All right, let's hear it again. It's good. It's good beer. That's just good beer right there. Um, If you never tried Guinness, shame on you. Go out and drink a Guinness. Be a real American. Even though it's not an American beer, good Americans drink Guinness. All right. St. Patty's Day is coming. It is coming. Yeah, we're in February, aren't we? All right, so uh, where are we? We're going to do immigration today, uh, but there was the State of the Union address that just happened. Almost didn't happen because of the government shutdown. Um, And according to the Constitution, from time to time, the executive should inform the legislative branch of the State of the Union. And through Washington and Adams, time to time meant once a year. That's kind of how it happened. Right. And since then, it's kind of been happening. And it can um, be done in writing. It doesn't specify right. a speech. But. Matter of fact, from Jefferson, Thomas Jefferson uh, the whole way up until um, Woodrow Wilson, it was done in writing. Okay. No president went to the White went to the Congress to speak. It was only Woodrow Wilson. Uh, it really only becomes a public affair. Uh, well, the first television televised version was Truman. Um it moves to prime time in FDR with the radio. So it's been all over the place. But okay. it's certainly a time for the president to speak to the whole nation. And to be quite honest with you, Jeff, I didn't watch it. <laughs> okay. I, I, honestly, it wasn't because I'm anti-Trump. I just don't watch State of the Union addresses anymore. They, there's too much clapping and too much fanfare. Kind of a canned event. It is. And it just bores me. So um, you watched it. You've tortured yourself to watch a State of the Union. So give me a little bit of what I missed. Well, it was it was a, it was long and a little bit disjointed. Uh, I think, uh, you know, there were some interesting things that I liked. Uh, Trump had a lot of people in the audience, yep. the, and he pointed them out. People that had done good things. Uh, I heard Buzz Aldrin was there. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, for our country, and it was interesting because Trump is, uh, you know, accused of being narcissistic, which I think. A lot of people, even people voted for him, would agree with. But it was interesting that he put the focus on other people this time. And I think the speech writing in that sense was was well done. And he did, he did a good job of that. Of course, he talked about the wall that he says is needed and had caused the recent government shutdown, although he did not mention the government shutdown. And I, and I would be remiss to say, and I don't think I said this at the beginning, that this pot is really about immigration right. and the myths of immigration and policy. So th- you're talking about the State of the Union and the wall. That 
tails us right into that. I don't know if I said that off the top, but that's where we're heading with this. So go right. ahead. Right. And, you know, I found some information that people uh, uh, study from the National Bureau of uh, Economic Research that uh, surveyed in six developed countries. And, and they found that people in these countries believe that immigrants are poor, more dependent on welfare, and more numerous uh, than they really are. Uh, so people, it's not just in the United States. Uh, there's a lot People in a lot of different places have a, uh, a skewed viewpoint uh, on what's actually happening in their country uh, uh, in terms of immigration. And that, and that sort of makes sense. Um, when, you, when you have a problem in your country, uh, you tend to blame the people who are least powerful and least well, able to defend themselves. Uh, there's the scapegoating is an right, old Right, absolutely. And I think that immigrants fall into that scapegoating when we have crime, we have drugs, whatever it is. It, it must be that group over there doing it, the new group. It couldn't possibly be us. So Im- immigrants fall into that category and make themselves – not make themselves vulnerable, but they become vulnerable to be scapegoated. Well, they do. And uh, you know, in the United States, we take in more immigrants than any other country in the world. Uh, about 46,500,000 immigrants live in the United States. Now, even though that's the largest number, it's not the highest percentage of immigrants. See, I would have thought it was. I it, thought we'd had – A lot of people would think that. that you we know, are a nation of immigrants. Yeah. But um, for instance, in Canada, about one in five people in Canada weren't born there. In Australia, I was fi- uh, really surprised to find that 28% of Australians, more than a quarter – were born in another country. That then, yeah, that surprises me a lot. Yeah. That Australia. Yeah, I would not have guessed that. I, I think we 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 we've overestimated. We were one of the countries that we we kind of overestimate the number of immigrants. And I was also surprised to find that even though the U.S. Mexico uh, migration corridor is the world's largest corridor, meaning more people cross that that border between countries uh, than any other. But about 12 million people living in the U.S. were born in Mexico. Now, 12 million sounds like a lot, right? 12 million. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of Super Bowls. Yeah. Well, it certainly is. But our country has over 326 million people. So that's about 50%? <laughs> or three. All right. Well, that's close. <laughs> Math was never my thing. So, yeah, like, you know, and I don't think, again, I think people, and I'm sure if you live in one of those states down in Texas or New Mexico, and there's a lot of people speaking Spanish around you. You might think it's much more than that. Right. But it's not. And, of course, you have to remember in some of those southwestern states, some of those people that you're looking at speaking Spanish are not immigrants. Right. They were – they lived in New Mexico. They settled New Mexico. They right. settled Texas. They settled you know, southern Arizona and southern you California. I remember the United States took almost half of Mexico in the 1840s. Right, right. And there was lots of Mexicans so there. everybody they, you see speaking Spanish is not an immigrant. No, absolutely not. Um, I was just looking at a stat here when you were talking about that. Uh, even of the illegals, 66% of illegals have been here for more than 10 years. Um, and not, in 2016, the median age for illegals to be here was 14.8 years. So when you're talking about illegal immigrants, many times the myth is that they are running across the border, the, the vast majority of them, and they're literally out of breath here to commit a crime. And that's not true. The majority of illegals have been here for quite a number of years. Yeah. And as a matter of fact, the number of unauthorized immigrants to the U.S. 
has gone down over the past decade. And I think if you would listen, you know, honestly to a Trump speech or something, you, you might think that the the number is increasing, that we're being overwhelmed. But the, the number of unauthorized immigrants to the U.S. has declined over the past decade from all sources, but uh, uh, mainly due to the fact that there's fewer people coming in from Mexico. Uh, during uh, the fiscal 2018, we had about uh, the Customs and Border Protection um, apprehended about 396,579 undocumented immigrants at the southern border. So you have you know a little less than 400,000. But the figure on average during the Obama administration was 413,000. So that was on an average. Right. So the number of people coming across the southern border has actually gone down. It is not – the myth is, you know, there is – uh, I think, I know some people believe there's more and more people coming over that border. That's not a fact. There's fewer and fewer people coming. Right. And there's also the myth is that the border only goes one way, is that these immigrants come over and they never leave. And the truth is many immigrants go back and forth um, between the United States and Mexico. I think now don't, we've actually – We're have, losing more than we're, we're getting. We're losing more people than, right. than we're getting. And um, they come over for obviously economic reasons and when economic conditions improve in Mexico, they want to go home just like a lot of people may want to go home. Um, and one of the criticisms of the wall, if it is built, is that you are trapping people here, that you're not going to allow this flow back. You will see a huge surge come over because people will be afraid they won't be able to get over later on, that they're not taking into account – I hate to call it the natural cycle of people coming and going because what's happened <clears throat> is on the border, the free market has reigned. If there's jobs here and not jobs in Mexico, people come over. If things are better in Mexico, people go back. It's been a flow back and forth. It's illegal, and I think that something needs to be done about it. But at the same it's time – It's illegal for the people to have green cards. Right. At the same time, you have to be careful if you build something that's going to up, upset that flow. Well, here's something I was really surprised about. Again, dealing with this myth of our southern border – being overrun and most of these immigrants that come here uh, being of Hispanic origin. Since 2010, uh, we've actually had more Asian immigrants than Hispanic immigrants. And I was I was just shocked, but we have a lot of people coming here from India, a lot of people coming here from the Philippines. And so for- China. For, and China. So the past nine years, we've actually had more Asian immigrants than Hispanic immigrants. So if your problem is immigration per se, then actually we now – why would it be focused on Hispanics <coughs> necessarily? And, and you know, <coughs> there are reasons for that I don't want to get into. But the myth is I think that there's just huge amounts of people coming over the, our southern border and we're going to be swamped with people that of a Hispanic culture. The number's going down, and actually, more of our immigrants are coming from somewhere else. That's the truth of the matter. Uh, so, yeah, we are sitting close to historical highs for immigration. Total immigration. Total immigration. I think right now we're at like twelve and a half to thirteen percent. Um, we had a high, I think, in the eighteen nineties of almost fourteen percent. So we are approaching historic highs, um, but still. 
it is a myth to think that we're being overrun when the numbers are telling us the opposite, that actually uh, we have, especially on the southern border, people are actually – we're getting a net loss. And as you point out, was it since 2010, we have more Asians coming uh, to the United States than we do people across the southern border. Um, just some stats that I have um, – uh, it's been falling since 2007. Uh, Mexicans make up 50% of illegal immigrants. And this is something that you point out. Six states account for 58% of illegals, uh, California, New York, Texas, New Jersey, Florida, Illinois. So there may be some areas who are feeling an economic strain much more than other areas. The illegal or just pop- a cultural strain. Right. Too. That's a good thing too, a good thing to point out, cultural strains. Um, it does not – Immigrants of any group do not spread themselves evenly across the United States. Um, like I said, 66% of immigrants have been here for more than 10 years. Um, the immigrant share of the population I have made up. Illegal immigrants make up one-fourth of all our foreign-born population. So this is a significant part of the so, foreign. So, yeah, three-quarters of the immigrants here are legal. Form, are legal. Right. They have a green card. And what was it, about half of those are – Becoming naturalized American citizens as 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 well, um, you, you know. And again, this myth that that we're being swamped over our southern border—that that's the spot where they're coming in—and we have mentioned this before on the podcast. The majority of illegal immigration occurs when immigrants overstay their visas. Right. Yes. So they come here legally, but they don't leave when they should. But, Jeff, you must agree with me when I tell you that when they do get here, they tend to be more violent. They tend to commit more crime. They tend to rape, pillage, all those things when they get here. But before I agree or disagree with that, uh, and actually, I I didn't know this until I looked it up. This is from the Department of Homeland Security. About 701,000 immigrants with visas remained in the U.S. past their expected departure date in 2017. But that was more than double than the 303,000 immigrants apprehended at the border. So the problem of immigrants overstaying their visas is much double the pro- if you're worried about illegal immigration. Right is double the problem of people illegally coming across the border. Now, let's go to your other myth that immigrants come here to commit crime. Well, they don't right? necessarily come here to commit crime, but it's in their nature. When they get here, they're poor. They're not the morally best people, and they commit crime. So, now, I don't have any statistics on, on that. I, I do. My, my, <laughs> I figured you might. My, my thought is if you're here illegally – and you, the last thing you'd want to do is commit a crime because then you'd be in jail and then you'd be deported. Yeah. So that doesn't make common sense to me, but it does make some sense if I'm worried like people who don't have skills and they come over here and they can't make a living and they can't do – so maybe they push drugs or whatever. Anyhow, what did you find out? Well, I, I looked at the state of Texas because I figured that if any state was going to feel the impact of illegal immigration, it would be Texas. Maybe Texas, maybe California. Uh, Texas has the longest border. With right. Them. So if we're looking at violent crimes, right, so sex crime convicted – let's just look at sex crime convictions, uh, which we would all agree is a very violent crime. Natives in Texas commit the crime at 5.4 for every 100,000. 
All right, so that's kind of your baseline. 5.4 for every 100,000 of Texans commits a sexual crime. If you are an illegal immigrant, that number comes in at 3.7 per 100,000. If you are all immigrants, it comes in at 2.1. And if you're a legal immigrant, it goes the whole way down to 1.1. So at any point, the chances of being uh, raped in Texas, you're much more likely to be sexually assaulted by a native Texan than you are by a legal or illegal immigrant in Texas. Now, that does not mean to belittle anyone who's been a victim of a crime no. that of and someone who is an illegal immigrant and who shouldn't have been here. But it's about the allocation of resources and also myths that there are sort of hordes of people coming across the border to commit these vicious crimes. And the statistics just don't bear that out. Um, and as you point out, it's pretty com- much common sense. If you risked your life to come across the border, why would you want to commit a crime that's going to get you sent back almost immediately? Uh, or not almost immediately, would send you back immediately. So in almost – jail. Right. In almost every um, – I mean, you look at larceny. Um, this is a really good one, larceny, right, robbery. theft. Yeah. Yeah. So the natives in Texas, uh, 250 per 100,000. Illegal so immigrants. 250 incidents per 100,000 100, people. Okay. Illegal immigrants, 50. So, as one, compared one to fifth. one fifth, right? One fifth. So, um, the stats across the board, when you look at homicide rates, uh, the homicide rates are really, really low, uh, much lower than native uh, born. Uh, this is homicide conviction rates for natives compared to illegals. Natives are more likely to be convicted of crimes than illegal immigrants in, um, uh, for murder or homicide. Uh, criminal conviction rates by all immigrants compared to natives, Native American, uh, native, not Native Americans, natives to Texas are twice as likely to be convicted of criminal crime than uh, illegal immigrants or immigrants. So this myth that you have to batter the doors shut because the illegals are going to come into your town and take over the town just simply isn't true. Right. Uh, Right. And (coughs) excuse me. Sorry. Now there are, um, you know, uh, another possible myth is that, well, okay, maybe they're not going to come here and commit crime, but they're here to get on the welfare system. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know they can they can uh, you know suck off the government teat for uh, uh, in a way that they just couldn't back in the countries that they came from. They can get medical care, they can get housing, and so forth. Now the good old Obama giveaways. But anyhow, what what I found, I, you know, look this up, and this is from the Bureau of Labor Statistics. This is for 2016, so. Uh, it, it's pretty recent. Uh, actually, it's from 2017, even more recent. But the unemployment rate for foreign-born persons in the United States, i.e. immigrants, was 4.1% in a year, a, just over a year ago. For the jobless rate of native-born persons was 4.4%. So the foreign-born actually had a lower unemployment rate. A higher percentage of them were employed. It seems like a lot of people come here for jobs, just like they always have, just like the Polish and Irish that worked in the Pennsylvania coal mines, uh, you know, 100 years ago. It seems like that people come here for a job. 
They also come here. Now, there, in one place there has been an increase in immigration from, and you hear about it when people talk about the so-called caravans coming right. through. And they're from Central America. So uh, there are people coming from Central America. Why are they coming here? Why do they want to get out? Well, some of those people are from El Salvador, which was the murder capital of the world in <laughs> 2015. 104 people per 100,000 were killed in El Salvador. So they're fleeing violence. Um, some of them from uh, are fleeing poverty in Guatemala and Honduras. More than half the residents live in, under the poverty level. So it, it, it is true that we do have this increase of people from Central America who are seeking, in case of violence, they, they seek asylum. They're trying to come here to escape uh, poverty and violence. What there is not much evidence of, as, as, as we've talked about, is they're coming here to freeload and or commit crimes. It just doesn't seem like that's happening. No, immigrants uh, are less likely to take public welfare, one, um, because they're not eligible for it. Uh, most are not – you have to be a legal resident in most cases for up to five years before you qualify for um, welfare. And <clears throat> a lot of people even at that point don't know how to access it or don't want to access it uh, for um, reasons for their own culture and for their own families. Uh, the idea that immigration, immigrants take your jobs um, – most economists will tell you that's simply not true, uh, that immigrants make up over seven, about 17 percent of the workforce, but they're simply doing jobs Americans don't want to do. Native-born Americans. Native, yes. So they aren't dropping down your wages because you're not competing with them for your wages. Um, and isn't there – I think you had some interesting information about – the difference to one of the things that I've read a lot about, and you know, as a historian, there's a lot of research and case studies on how successful the children of immigrants are in the United States, and it's a that's that's an old story that the first generation comes here and basically it's a sacrifice right. for them. Some of them don't speak the language for again whether you're from Poland or Italy, uh, Lithuania wherever you come from, you come here, uh you know, you might have to live in substandard housing, work at a menial job, and the reason you do it is for the kids. And that's been true a true story in American history for as long as immigration existed, even going back to the Pilgrims and the and the Mayflower and stuff. I mean, it wasn't easy settling Jamestown. <laughs> now, you know, the no. idea was that you might have a better life, but sure, your kids and their kids, as it is, as the uh, the Constitution preamble puts it, our posterity could have really, really good lives. So then you didn't have some information about how much it cost. The government for first generation immigration uh, immigrants yeah. and then second generation. Yeah, they they try to calculate what a citizen. What is your benefit to the society monetarily? For example, <clears throat> every native born American uh, is worth about thirteen hundred dollars to the government. So you're you're thirteen hundred dollars to the good. Um, that means some people are going to contribute more than you. Some people are going to be on welfare, whatever. But if you look at the average of native born, it's about $1,300 to the good to the government. If you're looking at second generation immigrants, they are $1,700 to the good. They're $400 better 
than a native born American, not native American, but a native born, the rest of us. Um, that second generation tends to do really, they really tend to be the overachievers. Well. And they overachieve, plus they're not eligible for welfare. They're not eligible for things yet, right? A lot of this stuff is a five-year residency requirement before you can ever get to some of these programs. Um, so by its very nature, it's either sort of sink and sink or swim for a lot of these groups. So there is a huge incentive to do very well to get here. Um, illegals probably have larger income. Illegals probably have even a larger economic impact. They're younger. They don't collect benefits. Um, undocumented, they're thinking maybe a, I, the number I got was almost $12 billion in taxes we're collecting from illegal immigrants through taxation. Because they're paying sales tax. And right. Yeah, right. Okay. And all other, you know, they don't pay the federal income tax, right. but they're paying tons of other taxes in almost anything they do. Um, so the idea that they are violent, that they are taking money away from us, all of those things that they're overwhelming us with numbers from the southern border, all those myths tend not to be true. But I do want to touch about one other thing, Jeff, and I want your opinion on this. This is all impact of economics, basically, all right, um, and our safety. What about cultural impact, right? Um, I, 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 and I'm going to play just Joe whoever. I'm not a racist, but honestly, I don't want my I don't want my community to change. I like it. To, I, I I spent a lot of money to get here, and to move into this town, and I like it the way it is, you know. And I and I don't want a whole other group of people to change what it looks like and what it sounds like and the language it's spoken here. God bless them. But I, don't I have a right to that in the, my own country where I pay taxes? Well, yeah, and actually, I I feel uh, I feel some sympathy for for that attitude, and Americans have have felt that way from time immemorial. I mean, the English who settled here resented the Irish immigrants, and uh, you know, and in the late eighteen uh, hundreds, early nineteen hundreds, people started coming here from. Italy and Poland and Russia, and they were Catholic or Jews, and people in the heartland got upset by that and marched and and immigration. You know, people have always been resistant to that, and I I do understand that. But of course, there's unbelievable amount we enjoy about that <laughs> diversity. Yes. And, you know, and, you know, and when I know it's, it's, it's trite, but I can't imagine living <laughs> any size town that doesn't have a decent Italian restaurant and a Chinese restaurant. Now, thank God in, in Lancaster, we got the good Vietnamese restaurant. Mm -hmm. I had a good pad Thai at Suko Thai the mm -hmm. other day. I mean, and so, oh, well, 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 we like, yeah, well, we, we do like the food. How about dress? So, you know, well, well, yeah, how about music? Do we like, well, some of us really like music that has, you know, a Caribbean flair. I think you ever hear of reggae music? I think right. people like that. So, you know, I think it's, it, it's, it's one of those things where you, you might be scared of change, but there's, there's all sorts of things you've already embraced about the diversity of the United States. You know, I hate the fact that we're pitted against each other on this question because 
I did a, a little research on how Americans feel, and I think it's a myth that the people that are native to this country are just generally opposed to immigration. I don't think that's true. Uh, I found uh, one thing. I think this was in the New York Times. Three and four Americans say immigration is generally good for the nation. Three and four Americans. And I think of my own little conservative community of Lancaster. You do a great job bringing in immigrants. Well, so. and refugees. <clears throat> yeah. and, and it's some of it is <coughs> Excuse some me. of the more conservative churches right. are right there trying to settle them, find a place for these people to live, give them decent food and medical care, get them accl- you know, acclimated. And I, I just – I think one thing I resent about the current political attitudes is it seems like we're kind of settled that it's certainly about legal immigration, that it's a good thing. Most Americans think it's a good thing. I live in a, in a place that hasn't elected a Democratic congressman since before the Civil War. <laughs> and I still think most people here welcome immigrants. So I, I don't like that. I just saw Fox News. It said 83% of Americans support a, a pathway for citizenship for those illegal immigrants that were bought here as children. This is a Fox News poll. Right. I'm not giving you HuffPost. I'm not giving you, you know, uh, MSNBC. This is a Fox News poll. So, you know, 83% of Americans want these young kids who were bought here the, to – you know, they, they call it the DACA program, the Deferred Action right. Program. But Dreamers. Yeah. They, they want the Dreamers to be able to stay here and become citizens. Why isn't that just done? Why does that have to be a political issue? Um, I, I don't like the fact that we're being t- pushed against each other, pulled apart on the basis of immigration when the majority of Americans think in general immigration is a good thing. And that these kids that were brought here Ill- illegally should be able to become citizens. Well, I, I think I, I agree. And part of the problem is, is as groups were easily manipulated into our own. And this goes back to tribalism. And if your tribe wins, the other tribe loses, the other tribe has to lose. And the wall has come very, has become very symbolic. Uh, politically, uh, beyond just the concept of immigration, it is one side winning, the other side losing. Um, that Democrats are going to oppose the wall um, come hell or high water because it is in their tribe's best interests. Um, a certain part of the Republican Party supports the wall because it's in their tribe's best interests. And because of the tribalism and the politics that are played and how easily I think we as citizens can follow, fall and follow into that, um, we end up disagreeing over the minutia of something when we agree, as you point out. General with, guidelines. When the much larger general guidelines. And, I, I don't think most Americans – want open borders. They don't want open borders. They understand we have to have borders. They want some kind of vetting and control system. But they're pretty welcoming of people who want to come here and make a better life for themselves. And as we've shown, that's the majority of people, the vast majority of people who want to come here. 
and the economic, the free market has always told us that we need these people, right? Wow, wow. The free market has said that we need them because with the borders, I'm not going to call it an open border now, um, but the idea that the border exists the way it does has certainly said that the free market says that there are certain industries that absolutely need these illegals. Where does and, your lettuce come from? Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right? I have three sons. My sons aren't out there in the heat of the day going to be picking lettuce all bent over. Right. Um, and Americans won't do that job either. I think it was the state of Georgia who tried to implement a self-deportation program that they tried to make the laws in Georgia so harsh that illegals would just simply quote unquote self-deport. And what they found out is no one worked the fields, that all of a sudden the farmers that next season had shortages in the fields because the Im- illegals were leaving and no one else would do the job. Um, again, so the free market has told us that we need these people here. We need to create a system in which legalizes the movement of people back and forth across the border in an organized fashion so you know who is here and what jobs they are doing. Um, but what we have done, and this is what this is what bothers me, is we've created a boogeyman. Uh, we've created this monster that uh, we even have as angel families now. The, we talked about the State of the Union, where I think you told me earlier Donald Trump had brought a family over, a victim of an illegal immigrant right, crime. Right, he murdered, uh, yes, he murdered some people in God, the family. How yeah. horrible is that, right? Yeah. If your family was killed by someone who shouldn't even be here, um, the sympathy that I have for you on that is is, is immense, and the butt's going to sound like it isn't, like I don't have that sympathy, but that's not how illegals are as general, right? We only have so much money to put forth to solve problems, right? For example, if we have a drug problem, I don't want my money going after people selling marijuana. That isn't where the problem is. Go after the people selling the opioids, selling the meth, selling the heroin, right? So if we're going after criminals, don't go after the illegals. They're not the ones committing the crimes in mass numbers. Go after where the crimes are being committed. You will save more lives doing that. And this is how propaganda works. You get an emotional connection. I did. I I watched the State of the Union. I saw that family, and and I felt terrible for them. And – they were victims of this man who had come over and and committed murder, and he was here illegally. Shouldn't have been here. That's, you know, okay, I get it. But, you know, then you have to realize we had a shooting in 2017 in Las Vegas where it was 57, 58 people were killed, 400-some were shot, 400 more or so were injured in the panic. You could have filled the entire rotunda of the Capitol and had people out in the, uh, you know, in lobby. The, in the lobby, just on that one guy. So let's, and again, you're talking about focusing your resources. Let's attack where these problems are. What is making us unsafe in the United States? Is it illegal immigrants? The statistics tell you something else. Right. That it's not illegal immigrants. And I think that's, to leave the podcast there, I think, I don't know if there's a solution to the problem that we're going to offer, but I, I think that Jeff and I both agree that allocation of resources to solve a problem that doesn't seem to exist is a poor allocation of those resources. You bet. 
All right. We're going to leave it there, guys. Thanks a lot. If you want to contact us, historypoliticsandbeer at gmail. You can check it out. Some, check us on Twitter. Throw us something on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, I still even have a few T-shirts left over. So if you are listening this long and you would like a T-shirt, just send me an email with your name and your um, address, and I'll get one out to you. Thanks a lot, guys.